So the season of Advent, we're going to talk some more about Advent. It's a, <laughs> a four-week period of time before we celebrate Christmas. Yes. Some of you may have celebrated Advent. Uh, often denominational churches have done some Advent wreaths, and um, we do have an Advent wreath up here for this series. But it's, it's, a, it's meant to be a four-week time before Christmas that we pause and spiritually reflect on the meaning of Jesus' yeah. birth, what it means to us. Uh, and it's so easy to get revved up during this season, isn't it? Yeah. Shopping, decorating, presents, cookie making, eggnog, eggnog yeah. <laughs> visiting with family. Shoveling snow. Shoveling snow, yeah. All of these <laughs> things are good. Well, maybe not the shoveling snow is good, but... Um, we do things that are fun, and, and we make plans to be with people. And That's fun. Shoveling snow? Yeah. All right. I'll, re I'll remember that the next time we have three inches out there. It's like, remember you said this was fun? I'm on it. Since we have. <laughs> <laughs> but what the heck? I mean, it seems as though our life in general is just yeah. on go, isn't go. it? Mm -hmm. No, these people are all calm in here. They're like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm so calm and peaceful. I don't know. We just had all of our family together at Thanksgiving, five grandchildren and, and Pastor Ben and Amanda and our daughter and, and her husband. And it was a full house. And it did feel like it, everything was just go, go, go. And you have five little kids running around and everybody wants food and they want to play a game and run up and down the steps. And you just... Noisy. It, it's, but it's, it's, it's all fun and it's all good. Yeah. It's just that at this time of the year, the point of Advent is that we intentionally take time to just pause and we consider spiritually, yes, intentionally, like we come and worship together as a, as a church family. We make a point that we need to come and worship together or we worship at home together yes. as a family. I would encourage you if you have, especially if you have children, there are devotionals. In fact, Miss Amanda put a devotional, did you, is that on? It's going to go on our Facebook, uh, our CLC Facebook site today. A really good, simple devotional with scriptures that you can read and a little prayer to pray together. Yeah. These things are important that we reflect and remember that Jesus is the reason for the season. Come on. Right? I mean, remember the innkeeper uh, in Bethlehem when Mary and Joseph came to Bethlehem and there was no room for them? He's like, this place is too full. You can't get in here. We don't want to be like that. Like we're too full. We have to make room for yeah, Jesus. Man. We have to make some room in our time for him. And so I would encourage you to check out that devotional on Facebook. Come to prayer. Prayer is an awesome time where it's just, it's quiet. It's peaceful in here. It helps you to become aware of the Holy Spirit's presence. This yes. is so important. Again, because of our hustle bustle world, um, the, the Holy Spirit's presence is evident, I would say, in, in every prayer yes. meeting that we have. And it's going to help your heart to draw closer to God, to want to even to read his word. And so it's just a, it's a special opportunity for you to do that. I would just encourage you, take time out, carve time, do something different. Amen? Break out of, break out of our mold. Like That's sometimes it. we just get in a rut and in a routine. And so, the, but the Advent wreath, which is over here, uh, the Advent wreath has some great symbolism in it. 
For one thing, the pine in the Advent wreath uh -huh. is usually, I mean, it's made of various evergreens. And as we know, evergreens are evergreen. They don't lose their needles. <laughs> and so there's some symbolism right. in this wreath. And because it stays green, it just symbolizes uh, the everlasting life that we can have through Jesus Christ, that our life will stay alive. Even Amen. if we die, Jesus said, yet you will live. And the circle of the wreath is just symbolic of our eternal life. There's no beginning or end to a circle. And so it, it symbolizes the eternal life, the continual life that Jesus came to bring us, that we will live on. Amen. Every human being will live on somewhere. When you die, you don't just disappear. <laughs> there's eternal life and there's eternal death is what scripture says. And so the wreath with the pine is symbolic of eternal life, the everlasting life that Jesus offers us. And then there are pine cones on that wreath. And a pine cone is a seed. Yep. It's used to decorate the wreath, but it symbolizes a pine cone has life in itself but in order to have more pine trees, it has to go into the ground. A seed goes into the ground and die. So it's a, another sim symbolism of our life. Yeah. That just like Jesus's life, he said, except a seed go into the ground and die, it cannot produce more. And so he came with the purpose to give his life as yeah. a seed to go into the ground like a grain of wheat so that we, more life can be produced. And so if you are born again, you're part of that life that's been reproduced from him. Hallelujah. And so that pine cone is a, just a symbolism mm -hmm. of death, life, and then resurrection and eternal life with Christ, what he did for us. And the, and the four candles we take, uh, last week was we lit the hope candle. Maybe you yeah. want to light that candle Yeah, here we now. go. Each candle... Uh, represents uh, a measure, an aspect of the relationship that we have with Christ that he came to give us. Last week, the hope candle was lit. And Pastor Steve talked about the hope that Jesus' birth gives us, that through his birth, through his humanity coming to take on our sin, we can now have a relationship with yes. Christ. Without that, we could not have had any relationship with him. And so that hope is that we know the Father loves us. It's like we sang that song. Does the Father truly love us? He does. He does. <laughs> you know? And so his, the hope is, that, is to know that we can have eternal life after this life. Yes. That the Father loves us. He's offered us forgiveness of sins. And when we become a child of God, your life takes on meaning and purpose from God. He has a purpose for your life. We're not here, just like what Chris was exhorting there as we were singing. It's not about what we think our life is about. It's about what he says our life yes. is about. And he has a good plan for your life. And so there's a living hope with that, with that candle uh, of resurrection from the grave. And then the purple candle, which is today's, we're going to talk about the faith candle, what it means to live a life of faith. Scripture says the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Yes. So a faith is such an important aspect of who we are in Christ and what he came to do in our life. Next week, we'll, we'll light that pink candle, the rose-colored candle. Uh, that's the joy candle. And then there'll be a, a peace candle. And then on Christmas Eve, we'll put a center one in there and talk about the love of God. Yes. And Hallelujah. So uh, let's just pray before we begin digging into some scripture here. Father, we're just thankful for this day. 
We're thankful that we have an opportunity, Lord, to gather around the Word of God, to worship you, to think about you. Help us, Holy Spirit, to hear your voice, guide us. Help us to remember to just slow down and reflect on the meaning of this wonderful season that we're in and the salvation that Jesus came to bring us. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you, Jesus, for your willingness to humble yourself, to become like us, to be born in a manger, and then with the purpose of dying on the cross and be raised from the grave so our sins could be forgiven. We could have a a life and a relationship with you forever. So teach us, Holy Spirit, guide us this morning. Our ears are open. We, we ask you for revelation mm. as we look into the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we are in Advent season and the Advent in Latin, we went over this last week. It means to come or arrival, arrival, and it's referring to Jesus' birth in, in Bethlehem. And the Greek word, uh, the Greek meaning of Advent means uh, Coming presence. That's always exciting. Coming presence. You know, we have his presence right now. Glory to God. And it refers to one of Jesus' names, Emmanuel, God with us. You, yeah. If you've been at church at any time, especially at Christmas time, you've heard that scripture. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and give birth to the son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is, when translated, means God with us. And that was actually fulfilled at Jesus' birth. And today we're going to look at the meaning of uh, of faith, the faith candle, and what it actually uh, symbolizes regarding our faith and the coming arrival of, of, of Jesus and how he indwells us right now, Emmanuel, God with us. And we know that faith is a vital aspect to knowing, to knowing and believing God. Yeah. We, we, by faith, uh, we believe in the living God whom we cannot see or touch, yet he's very real, he's alive, and he is, we connect with him through faith in the spirit realm. In Ephesians, this is how it happens. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says for verse 8, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast. Salvation was offered by the grace of God. That gift must be received through our heart. And when we say heart, we're talking about your spirit. Your spirit. And that's received by faith. It's a living trust that you, you open up. And we're saved by grace through faith. You cannot earn your salvation in any way. And here's what the scripture declares. is by faith that you and I right now have been made holy and righteous in God's sight. It's by faith that we know that we are free from sin. It's by faith we know that we are justified by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and that we stand before a holy God as righteous, righteous, 
The Bible declares that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And look at this scripture, Romans chapter 3, verse 26. We stand justified and holy before God because of Jesus Christ. And this is what he says. He says, he justifies and accepts us as righteous, as righteous. Now, let me read that again. He justifies and accepts as righteous. Now, this is us, him, you and I, who has true faith in Jesus. If you have true faith in Jesus Christ, you have been given the gift of righteousness. You did not earn it, like it says in Ephesians, by grace, through grace, by through faith in God's grace. I'll get this right. It's, it's that, uh, you know, your mind is going all over the place. <laughs> it's a gift from God. It's his grace, his love toward us. And what we do is simply believe what he did for us, the finished work of Jesus Christ, and we recognize our spiritual condition. We accept it by faith. We've, we are giving our lives by faith to Christ. And when we, we live in this being born of his spirit, now by faith we can also understand that he will speak to us through his word. Jason spoke about it earlier, being led by the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God, if you've given your life to Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in your spirit. And so that's how he leads us, by an inner witness. Faith is this spiritual dimension that we, we've always got to remember that as a child of God, at the core, we are a spirit being. We're not just a body. We are a spirit being. When we understand that you're a three-part being, things in the spirit realm are going to become more real to you. Yeah, because the, we've talked about this over the years. And this is just a hel helpful reminder that, remember that, yeah, we are three-part beings. You have your outer so part of you that everybody mm -hmm. can see, your physical body that you can touch. That's very real to us. And very often, this is what guides us in life. We just yeah. look at life all from the natural, what we can see. Mm -hmm. And then you have your soul part of you. The soul, that's this inner part of you. You cannot see or touch your soul, but we know it's very real because it's your thought life. It's how you feel. Yeah. And we can all say, I know how I feel. And so our feelings are real. Our thoughts are real. What we, what we do with our will, I'm going to do this with my life, this determination. These things are coming from our soul. Very real, but not able to be touched. And then there's the spirit part of you. And the Bible talks about these three parts. We are spirit, soul, and body. And our spirit is like the deep inner core yeah. of us. This is the part that the Holy Spirit, when you give your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and recreates. It's like Jason was talking during the hosting time about walking dead. Well, what we mean by that is that people in the world, there are people that are spiritually alive to God, and there's people that are spiritually dead to God because of their sin and unforgiveness of yeah. sin and not, and not coming to Christ to have their sin washed away. They're walking, they're talking, they're working, they're doing just like everybody looks. You can't tell by looking outwardly at somebody, is this person spiritually alive or this person spiritually dead? 
But sometimes after you begin to talk in fellowship, you can begin yes. to pick up on this person knows God and is alive to God or isn't. How many of you can testify to that with friends or anybody that uh -huh. sometimes that you meet? But these things, our spirit is not someplace that we touch. These are things that we know by faith. But God is spirit. Yes. And his word, he says, is spirit and life and truth. And so when we read the word of God, we are reading through with the help of the Holy Spirit. See, these, this is a whole other dimension yes. of faith that we walk in. We have to understand and grasp these truths by faith. Because you want to say, well, where's the hard evidence? Well, the evidence is in the faith realm. And I know people will say, well, you have to prove that to me. And I would say, well, just ask God. If you would be willing to genuinely ask God, are you real? If you will just reveal yourself to me, he will reveal yes. himself to you. He'll make himself known to you if you're genuinely wanting to know if he's real. But it's by faith that we touch the spirit realm, it's by faith that we gain wisdom from the word of God. Mm -hmm. we, we touch the realm of God's kingdom. The just, it says, shall what? Live, Live by, by faith. faith. And, and in Hebrews, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That he who comes to him must believe that he exists and he's the rewarder of them who diligently seek him. So we have to approach God believing yeah. you're real. And when we do, he manifests himself to us in our heart. It, it, and so faith has been required by God, by God's people from the very beginning. It yes. be, it, when you look back with Abraham, who's called the father of our faith, it, he's called that because he believed God's promise that he would be the father of many nations, even though he didn't have a son and his wife Sarah was barren. But he believed and he believed then that the seed of the Messiah would come through his lineage. Uh -huh. And when he believed and had faith, God called that faith, God said, I account that to you as righteousness. Like, you are, you're like me. Yes. That's a pretty awesome. See, that it required the work. It wasn't some work of I'm trying to be this perfect person. Right. It was believing the promise of God. And this is how we walk by faith. We believe the truth of Scripture. And so his belief in faith in that promise pleased God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so yet Israel, you know, I, I, I think about the promise of the seed. It took hundreds of centuries. Yeah, centuries. Israel's a nation then, after Abraham had the promise, and then we had Isaac and Jacob and many generations after that, they, as a nation, they waited in faith mm -hmm. for centuries before the Messiah would be born, before Jesus would, be, would come as a baby and he would appear. And so this is up on PowerPoint. This scripture is an Old Testament scripture from the book of Micah. Yes. It's Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, you are little among the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall one come forth for me, mm. who is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from ancient days, or in other words, from eternity. So this scripture is speaking about Jesus, you know, who would be born from the lineage of the tribe of Judah, yeah. 
born in this little obscure town, you know, compared to the greatness of Jerusalem, which had a lot of wealth and power, but God chose Bethlehem. And the prophet Micah, now think about this, spoke this prophecy some 700 years right. before Jesus was born. 700 years. Consider the odds and the amazing accuracy of just, I mean, there are hundreds of prophecies like this. 300. Yeah, over 300 that have already come to pass, right. that have been fulfilled. The accuracy, it, it, the odds of that are astronomical yeah. that that could ever happen and come true. And here's another one. Yeah, you want to turn to Isaiah 9. Yeah, turn to Isaiah. Now, Isaiah was a prophet also. He was a contemporary of Micah. And Isaiah, this is a, a very familiar Christmas scripture that we present. Isaiah chapter 9, verses, if you go to the center of your Bible, you'll either come into Psalms or you'll hit Isaiah. And if you're in Psalms, go toward the back because that'll be coming to Isaiah. Not too many uh, books after that. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. Everybody said hallelujah. Yes. <laughs> and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. As if you've walked with God for any a length of time, that you know that faith uh, <laughs> requires waiting, waiting, <laughs> and waiting and waiting. It's seed, time, and harvest. But Scripture also declares. With that, it says that faith and patience, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises. But that word wait or waiting on the Lord, that doesn't mean that we're standing in line waiting our turn and we're just milly-mallying, just like, this is so boring. That word waiting means that we are actively involved with our thought life and our hearts toward God. And when we do that, we are entwining ourselves with Christ. Our hearts are melting into one. And again, Israel waited centuries for the Messiah to be born. And then his advent, Jesus' advent, his arrival, his presence, you know, God with us, is a, uh, how can we say it? It's a, uh, this, it's an already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. That's the tension we live in, in scripture. Yeah. We have that up on the screen. We'll put that up. We already are in the kingdom of God, but we don't see it manifested yet in its glory. Catch a hold of this. The kingdom came 2,000 years ago. The king brought it, born in the manger. But yet we don't see the full manifestation of that yet. We can 
touch this kingdom by faith. It's a spiritual reality. It's by faith that we do this. It's by knowing him through his word that we can experience that fellowship with him, that Emmanuel, God with us, with him. It's a already but not yet. Do you understand what I'm saying here? We are already in the kingdom of God, but it hasn't yet fully manifested. Yeah. It will manifest at his second advent. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> when he starts the millennial reign, and those who follow him will rule and reign with him for that thousand years. After that thousand years, he's going to make everything brand new. Everything brand new. And this is what verse 7 of this. It says, of the increase of his government and of peace, there'll be no end. We will see him face to face. We will see him face to face. But right now we live in the tension of already, but not yet. Yeah. Already, but not yet. Yeah. And again, thank God, there's coming a day when we're going to be able to hug Jesus himself. Yeah. There's coming a day that we will see the Father. Yeah. That we will be able to walk phys- with our spiritual bodies into his throne room. Yeah. Into his throne room, yeah. the, the God who spoke everything that's in existence. Yeah. He loves us. We will see him face to face. It's just like that song we We're sang. Singing, yeah. yeah. All the people, redeemed out of uh, all the people, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know what it says in that song again? He made us a kingdom of priests to reign with his son. He made you and I priests of God with the goal of reigning and ruling the new earth. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. The Bible declares that you are already a priest of God. See, we live in the already but not yet. Already, the spiritual reality of it, yeah, but then the manifestation of it and the glory of it is coming at the second advent. Yeah. Look at First Peter, First Peter chapter 2. You and I are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and it's all his doing. He picked you out. He chose you right here, right now. You are now righteous before him. You can stand totally justified before him. Chris mentioned about conviction. Yeah, conviction is good. Because what he's doing is keeping us holy when he's convicting us. What he's doing is that that's really not part of our kingdom. Yeah. And so we have to learn who we are in Christ. We have to understand the principles of his kingdom. And we do that through the word of God. And we believe it by faith. And then we're becoming more and more like him. We're being conformed into his image. It's awesome. Find First Peter. But you are a royal, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, 
a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Yeah. It doesn't say you're going to be, does it? You it are. says you are now. You are, yeah. You are now. Yeah. And you put on those priestly robes of righteousness because of what Jesus did for us. You are now a royal race. Every tribe, every tongue, every people who have yielded their hearts to Jesus Christ and walk in his ways. Yeah. See, it's already, but not yet yeah. in its full manifestation. And what is he doing? He's preparing us. He's preparing us to fulfill our priestly duties. He's, he's preparing us so that we can rule and reign this new earth that's coming. Amen. It's why we are wanting God's conviction so we can be prepared for what he has prepared for us. Yeah. So we live in this tension. Yeah. Yes, yes. Glory to God. By faith, we live in this by faith. This, is, this should affect the way we think about ourselves. Yes, your thoughts about yourself. You, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. That should make us sit up a little straighter. And go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel a little bit better about myself. Yeah. Amen? He, yes. Yeah. He chose me. He chose me. <laughs> I'm his favorite. No, I'm his favorite. No, <laughs> no you're his favorite. <laughs> yeah, right. We're both. We're all his favorite. I mean, it's awesome. It's a just the. It's a beautiful, wonderful, yes. deep, and real truth. Hallelujah. That we have to meditate on, think on, speak on. You know, we 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 talk on it. You and the can more experience you do, through the faith. The more you do, the more you pray around yes. it, the more real. The Holy Spirit says, yes, 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 keep going. And there's revelation that begins to open up to yeah. your mind and heart. And it, then it changes the way you think. It changes the way you act. Yes. And so in Mark, I think about Jesus, like in his first advent, when he was born as a babe, and then when his ministry began about the age of 30, he begins to proclaim in Mark 1, 15, that the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes. And so he's saying like the kingdom is breaking in to the, into the earth, into the human race. And yes. look at what it says in Mark 1, 15. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. So he's saying this. He's saying that God's rule and God's reign is breaking into human history. Yes. The kingdom is coming. I mean, it is here already. It's arriving. Mm. And the good news that he preached, what we have to understand was a message of repentance and forgiveness of sins. That was part of the good news that he would make a way for people's sins yes. to be forgiven so that Hallelujah. we could be one with the Father again. And so this was the way in light of the kingdom. He said, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. It was like, therefore, repent and, and, have believe. Your, and believe and have your sins forgiven. So repenting and believing is the way into the kingdom. He didn't just say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Come on, everybody come. Just everybody come who wants to come. There is a way into the kingdom of God. And it's through repentance yes. and believing of what he did and why we need repentance. So what is repentance then? 
body is repentance. I mean, most people would say it has something to do, and it does, with being sorrow, sorrowful over sin, over rejecting God, over saying no to God, for past actions, past attitudes that attitude. were sinful. Yeah. And there's no doubt there is this genuine sorrow that comes from behavior that's not good. When we do bad things, we do evil things, we generally, we should, if our conscience is working, yes. feel bad about it. But that's not the fullness of repentance. It's not just, I feel awful about what I did. There's another vital yes. aspect to repentance because the word repentance does carry the meaning of turning around and changing direction. And so if I am really, if I see my sin for what it is, I don't want to walk that way. By the grace of God, I do make a turn. I turn and go in another direction. Yeah, a reversal. A reversal. It mm -hmm. has this, the sense of an element of reversal. It's actually impossible to say I've repented and then just do the same, live the same, right. stay the same. So repentance doesn't simply mean I'm sorrowful for over my sin. It means to turn around. Yes. To abandon my old ways, the, the old life, my old agenda. And I want to adopt the agenda of the kingdom. I want to go God's way. Hallelujah. That's what repentance is. I want to follow Jesus, whatever that means. At the beginning, when we give our life to Christ, we go, well, we don't even know how... We know this much of what that really means, right? The biggest part is knowing I need forgiveness. Yes. Knowing that I've sinned against the holy God. And God is saying, I, I know you have. You know, I loved you even when you were dead in your sin. That's and right. And I made a way for you to be forgiven. That's right. And then when we say, yes, Jesus, I accept that forgiveness. He says, the slate is wiped clean. Yes. You've become a new creation in Christ. And then he says, learn of me. Then learn of me. So to, when we repent, you know, he, we turn. We don't want to keep going in the old way. We've entering, we're entering into a new kingdom. Hallelujah. So it's, it's turning around, and it's, it's meaning I'm signing up for God's agenda. I want God's kingdom. I want to be a part of what he's doing in the earth. I want to be a part of the people of God. I want to be a part of the business of God yes. in the earth. I want to walk and live by faith. And so, of course, by necessity, I mean, it was just, we were nudging each other as Chris was exhorting this morning because we were saying, this is what we're saying in the message. Yes, conviction It requires obedience. Mm -hmm. Faith, if we are going to be people who walk by faith, we have to be people who, who obey the Lord. That's actually I mean, Jesus faith. says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I say to do? I mean, there's, there's so many scriptures that are like that. So by necessity... If I'm going to really repent and walk with God and walk by faith, it's going to require obedience in my life. And we see faith by the way a person lives and acts. There's fruit in our life. That's right. It just it all kind of goes together. Because the book of James says, faith without any works or without any fruit to show that you've really turned and you're really walking with God is dead. It's just dead. Yes. It actually says we can deceive ourselves and think that just because I come and hear the word of God, something's happening. Well, it's the beginning. Faith actually rises when you hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the yes. word. 
but it's being the doer. It's then we have to get out and do it. That's the choice. That's being obedient. That's the obedient yes. part. Yeah. And so this is why we could see various responses then. Like when Jesus preached, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe. There were various responses to his plan for the kingdom. Yeah, we're going to go over three, three, of them. We're three just gonna... responses to the plan of God's kingdom. And the first one is the contender. The contender. You contend against, against God. God. Yeah. Now, if you know your Bible, when Jesus was born, there was a king ruling over uh, Israel, and his name was King Herod. The wise men show up and says, we saw the star of the king of Israel, the king of the Jews. And he, he didn't know anything about it because he was king. He, he's getting kind of like, wait a minute. And then he tells him, he says, oh, go find him so then I can come and worship him. <laughs> and Herod has no <laughs> desire to, to repent and worship Jesus Christ. None. So what does he do? He's contending against God's plan for his life. Well, the wise men go by a different way than Herod calls all the religious leaders. Where's the, the Messiah supposed to be born? Oh, in Bethlehem. So what does Herod do? He's contending against God. He sends his soldiers there to kill every child in that whole area that's two years old or younger. Yeah. And his whole desire was hoping that Jesus, the king of kings, would have been murdered in that slaughter. But we know that an angel spoke to Joseph and they got up and left. Another example is the Pharisees. They contended against Jesus, yeah. the Pharisees, the lawyers, the Sadducees. They contended against Jesus constantly. They attacked him constantly, even though they knew the Old Testament scriptures about the Messiah. They knew it. And he's standing in front of them, yet they contended with him constantly, all the time. They knew the prophecies, but their lust for power and the praise of men blinded them to a place where they, well, obviously sent Jesus to the cross. And this is a, a, a scripture in Luke, I think it is going to be on PowerPoint. Yeah. Look at this scripture. It, it's These people fail to humble themselves, repent and believe in faith. It says, but the Pharisees and experts on the law refuse to accept God's plan for themselves. Truth is, every person born on this earth this is the default position that people take. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. All. A-L-L. There is only one way, one perfect one, and that's Jesus Christ. And he's opening the complete kingdom to anybody who calls on his name. Everybody on earth is a rebel against God. And really, it's, a, it's about setting up, wanting to set up your own life. And your own kingdom. Your own kingdom. Yeah. Your own agenda. Yes. Your own choices, your own destiny. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to do what I want. I mean, most people live that way. 
And so you, <laughs> you used to live that way. <laughs> we all, yeah. I used to live that yeah. way. And so you have that, the contender response, you know, to the kingdom, to God's plan for the kingdom. Then you see, we call that the blender. Yeah. <laughs> the blender response. You, you add God's plan. You blend it in with your plan, with your agenda. And this is really the option many, many, many Christians take. We kind of have our own agenda. It's altered by God. We hear some of these things. We go, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I, we, we adopt some of God's heartfelt desires, uh -huh. which is good. But we haven't really given up our own agenda. We just add God's agenda to our agenda yeah. as it fits or as it's convenient or if it doesn't cause me too much risk, yeah. or I don't need to change or give up things that I don't really want to still give up. Mm -hmm. And so we just keep at, we just take bits and pieces of what the scripture says and we add it. We're the blender. We, we try to blend it all together. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy that if you know your Bible, his name is Demas. He was with the Apostle Paul, ministered with Apostle Paul, went all over as a missionary journey with the Apostle Paul. And we, we see that because in the, in, the, in the letter to the Colossian church, it says, at the very end of it, he says, all right, everybody here greets you, and he names Demas. Demas greets you. Then in Philemon, same ending. All the brothers here and Demas greet you. And then sometime years later, we find in 2 Timothy something very disturbing about Demas. It says this, 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 10 says, Paul is writing to Timothy. Paul is in prison and he's saying, Timothy, come to me and bring my coat. I'm in prison. I'm Bring the parchments, bring everything. Paul is saying, I really need you. And then he says this, for Demas having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. That's the blender. It works good. I'm all for it. I want the benefits of the kingdom, but I don't want any responsibility. I'm going to have my own agenda here. I don't want any risk. I want it to be convenient for me. I'll serve on my time. I'll do that when it fits my agenda. That's the blender. <laughs> Multitudes of people did this. Yeah, but God, you know, we, we're going to just maybe save for time. If you look up Mark 8, there's, there were several places in Scripture where Jesus talks about, except a man give up his life. Yep. You cannot find true life. If you try to save your life, You'll lose your life. He puts it in different terms, but he's basically saying anybody who comes to me has to be willing to give up their life. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't make any bones about it. You know, he doesn't stutter when he says it. He says it several times. So he makes it clear for us when we, when we want the kingdom of God, we are being asked to give up yes. our old ways, give up our old agenda. Jesus said that the gate is narrow. The path is narrow, and actually he does say fewer those who find it. That's right. But thank God he made a way. Thank God he made a way for those who have ears to hear and a desire to obey. We can walk in the ways of the kingdom, and so that's that third response. 
We have the follower, we have the contender, the blender, and then we have the follower response. This is the one we are. To God's are. plan Amen. for the kingdom. I mean, how many of you want to be the follower response? I, yes. I, you, have to, you have to at least start with a desire and say, I want to be that. I might not be good at it yet, but I want it, Lord. <laughs> so this isn't about adding God to your agenda. Right. It's about abandoning your agenda, abandoning your life for his. I know it sounds scary. It sounds radical. But, but it it's, is. But it's the way into the kingdom, right? You allow God's plan to replace your plan for your life. Yes. And so often these things happen little by little. You know, you don't just give your life to Christ and get all this, but this is why you need a body of people around you. Yes. People that have walked a little longer with the Lord than you have, so they can say, hey, listen, I understand. This was hard. This is a life of surrender. You're on the right path. I know it's difficult. But if you just stay isolated and on your own, you yep. make up your own idea about what it means to follow the Lord and what it means to be in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I can't say enough for how important it is to ask the Lord where he wants you to go to church. Yes. Where are the people you want me to connect to? Where should I be planted and have a pastor, have people around you that want to disciple you and help you? These things are vital, yes. vitally important to help us understand the kind of heart that God is trying to develop in us. He wants us to have a missionary heart. Yes. Like the follower has a missionary heart. We care for the lost. God's heart is for the lost. He wishes that none perish, but all would find everlasting life. Yes. He wants our heart to be like that. He wants us to look at people that we work with and go, I wonder if they know Jesus. Help me, Holy Spirit, to have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Help me to speak up about you. Do we care about the lost? We must care about the yes. lost. We need to have God's servant heart. Like to be a follower means I'm adopting, I'm leaving my selfishness behind. Yes. I want to be a servant-hearted person. Look for ways to serve other people. When you see needs in the church, you come up and say, how can I help? Can I do anything to help here? We have to step out of our comfort zone. Step out of, if you will, you know, our own little bubble of selfishness, if you will, and give, live a generous life. It's just like what Jason said during the hosting, that God gave his best. He gave, his, yes. he gave everything. We could never give back enough equal to what we were given in Christ. And so our lives are meant to be giving lives like the heart of Christ, generous lives. How can I serve? How can I help? Can I pray for you? This is yes. why we invite you to come to prayer because you learn to pray for, we pray for our identity in Christ, but we pray for other people. We pray for the needs of the world. Yes. This is what it means to become a disciple. Yes. And so we want to grow spiritually. So the follower isn't asking Jesus and the Holy Spirit, come and bless my plan. Here's what I want to do. <laughs> Lord, would you make a way for me to get the job that I want and live where I want to live and buy this? It's, no, no. <laughs> The Lord does want to bless us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. But he says, seek, you're right, that's perfect. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his ways. And then all the other things that we feel like are so important to us will be added. The yes. Lord goes, I, I know you need that, but I want you to put me first. Hallelujah. Put me first. And so at, at Christmas, we're going we're gonna to begin to close here. Yeah, the good. follower, I say, doesn't ask the Holy Spirit to bless their plan. They're saying, Holy Spirit, come into my life. See, you and I are now, we're priests of the kingdom of God. 
you and I carry the treasure of God himself within us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. He's Emmanuel. And this is where we've got to get to know him to such a personal, intimate level. And you do that through the word of God, through prayer, through fellowshipping with like believers. See, he's asking you and I to manifest the kingdom wherever we go. And you and I can do that. I mean, when I think about what Jesus did, it said in Acts 10, 38, you know, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We see a lot of oppression around us today. And it's coming from the realm of darkness. Yes. And so when Jesus proclaimed the arrival of his kingdom, you know, he healed the sick. He delivered people from demonic oppression. Yes. He raised the dead. You know, he defeated Satan and all the forces of darkness. Hallelujah. When he died on the cross, when he shed his blood, when he hung there, then he said, it is finished on the cross. It's finished. The work is done. And he's seated now. He raised from the grave. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. That's the place of all authority Yes. in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And then he gave the great commission to the disciples and he gives it to us when you read Matthew 28. Yes. You go, now you go into all the world. You go in my See, stead, in my go. name. Yes. As a chosen race, as a royal priesthood. So we go knowing the Holy Spirit is with us yes. to help us to call people, invite people into the kingdom, speak to them about the kingdom. This is the heart of God. Yes. This is the heart of God, especially during Christmas. It's not just about presents and decorating, as nice and as fun as that can be. It's about the redemption of the world. Yes. It's about the redemption of people's souls with otherwise they're going to end up in hell for all eternity. That's what God cares about, that none perish. And a follower, that's what we care about. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly yes. what we, we care want to be about. Followers, so. Everybody you lock eyes with is a being that will live forever, but it's where they're going to live. Yes. You read the scriptures, do you understand? Hell is a place of torment and never, and it's eternal, ever to get out. Yeah. Now's the only time that we have to help people see who Jesus is, and they're going to see it through your life, yeah. through my life. Yes. You're a priest of God right here, right now. You are a holy temple. Your body is a holy temple of God himself. Everywhere you go, you're taking the spirit of the living God. And maybe you're here today and you you aren't a Christian. Maybe you're a contender. Maybe (laughs) you're a blender. Now, is a blender a Christian? Think about it. Jesus says, unless you give up your life, you cannot be my disciples. I don't want anybody in this place or you hearing on this online. I don't want you to be like the the Pharisees and the experts of the law where they said they refused God's plan for their life. Jesus is calling you here today. He's looking for followers. Because anything outside that is eternal separation from God. If you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, 
No man comes to the Father except through Him. There is no other way. See, when you yield your heart to Him, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that power that Pastor Mamie talked about, Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for, the, for God was with Him, Emmanuel. That same Jesus dwells inside of you. And then we're on mission. We have real purpose for our lives. We can bear fruit for eternal life. Eternal life. We can be imitators of God. So is there anybody in here or at the sound of our voice that wants to by faith? See, salvation is received by faith. By grace are you saved. Grace is the power of God. That's the power that defeated sin and raised Jesus. Now by faith we say, yes, I'm going to be a partaker. Yes. That's what faith is about. And so we often say, if you want to give your life to Christ, raise your hand because it's just, it's an act of faith. It's yes. like saying, I want you, Jesus. Is there anybody in here today? Just with every head bowed, every eye closed, just be just between you and the Lord. Anybody want to give their life to Christ today? I see this hand. Okay. Praise God. Anyone else? Don't resist the love of God. No blenders. Just followers. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Again. Anybody else want to join this person? All right. Let's pray this prayer. Everybody pray this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I recognize. And I recognize. That I have been a contender. I've been a contender. And a blender. And a blender. Now by your spirit. Now by your spirit. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I confess that I have been rebellious against you. I confess that I've been rebellious against you. Now today. Now today. I accept Jesus Christ. I accept Jesus Christ. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. And I ask you. And I ask you. Empower me. Empower me. To be a follower. To be a follower. To be a doer. To be a doer. To walk in your ways. To walk in your ways. All the days of my life. All the days of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.